0: Listening to this week's message from Freedom Church. For more info on Freedom, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening. Are y'all ready to dive into the word? Um, okay, so as I said in first service, let me just explain to you that today is gonna be a lot of marriage counseling for you. Now, if you're sitting in here and you're single, you're like, wait a minute, like, bro, come on, talk to us. Listen, everything I'm gonna tell you today, everything I'm gonna tell you applies with your relationship with God and your relationship with other people as well, okay? All of this works for all of those. So if you're single, if you're young in here, I want you to listen because you're going to need some of this stuff going forward, but also this can apply in every area of your life. Last week, we talked about not doing things alone. We talked about being a fit helper, and we talked about being vulnerable. Now, I hope this week you've had some opportunity to do that. You know, husbands, I hope you sat down and just went, I just want to tell you some things. You know, like, I don't know, maybe not. I know these things aren't always the easiest to do. Especially because you've probably built some habits that keep you from being vulnerable or from not doing things alone. I mean, I know that I lived by myself for like five or six years before I met Monique. And come on, guys, you know that you can create some habits that don't really work in a marriage Whatever, you live by yourself for a while. Like dishes in the sink, you know, I'm not going to get anybody in trouble. These can be difficult to break. But God has to help you in this. And that's what we talked about last week. So as you feel the temptation to engage in alone behavior, or if you feel like you're being unfit as a helper, or if you're not being vulnerable, just ask the Holy Spirit to help you. And some of y'all need to do it out loud. Imagine, what would happen? What would happen in your marriage Okay, if if whenever y'all started to argue and fight, you just grabbed your spouse's hand and looked at him and said, We're going to stop arguing and we're going to start praying, okay? I know it might be weird to you, but we're going to pray right now. I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to argue with you. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to fix what can't be fixed right now. So, in the name of Jesus, like, what if you did that? Like, how would your marriage change? It'd freak them out. That's great, but how about an awkward moment versus you fighting some more? That's the difference. Remember, the goal is not to find the 20% that your spouse is missing, but to get your 80% to 81%, and then the 82%, et cetera. So let's talk about fighting. Okay, fighting. Uh, Every couple has these moments, right? I realize that the Bible says that you're one, but you're still two individual people with different personalities and thought processes and procedures and histories and even your family of origin, right? How many of you learned how to do some things from your family that don't really work well in your marriage, so, taking the DISC test will really help with that. I talked about that last week. Also, something that will help is the five love languages. Anybody ever taken the five love languages? Okay, freedomdl.com slash tests. I added a new test to that this week. There's a DISC personality profile. There's the Enneagram. There's a spiritual gifts assessment. And now you can take a free love languages assessment and find out what your love language is. Okay, so let me give you an example. Mine is acts of service. Okay, acts of service. Now, with my wife... I like physical touch, and it's not because of that, weirdos, okay, but like just a few moments ago in worship, as Tony was praying to wrap up, she just puts her arms around me and hugs me like that right there, bro, good, but for most everybody else, for me, it's like if you acts of service towards me, it makes me feel loved, okay, so um, that's also how I show love to people is through acts of service, now, my wife on the other hand is quality time. So I can be serving my little rear end off, and she's sitting in there mad as a hatter because I'm not spending quality time with her. So you have to be very careful that you aren't giving love in the way that you receive love. You have to be careful because your wife might not receive love like you give love, and so you need to adjust to how they love. So what I do with my wife, a lot of times what we'll do is right before we go to bed, we just spend time just talking, hanging out. That does more for her than a million roses or me Cleaning the kitchen. Well, I'm not going to say that, because cleaning the kitchen, I think. <laughs> you have to give your spouse love in the way they receive it, okay? So, let's talk through John 16:33. because remember we're talking about fighting. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Now, tribulation, this word here in Greek is thelipsis, and it means pressure that constricts or rubs together, a narrow place that hems someone in, Tribulation, especially internal pressure that causes someone to feel confined or restricted without options. Let me ask you spouses this. Have you ever been in a fight with your spouse and you felt this way? Hemmed in like you have no options. I mean, you're married, so you can't just like break up with them, huh? That's the thing about dating. Dating is just be like, I don't like you anymore. I'm not texting you anymore. How come you don't answer my text? I don't like you. It's over with. But... Marriage takes lawyers and all that mess and money and, and then there's the moral side of it. So so what do we do? What's well, simple, guys. We win at all costs. We align our battalions against the front and, and we begin launching catapults of insults and past mistakes and words that are designed to hurt. And we go into full tilt because we're at war and we can't let anyone run over us. Y'all think Monique is all nice and cute? She's a tooth chipper. And she learned very early on that me and my D personality that can get really aggressive and really, uh, that if she didn't stand up to me, I'd run her over. So you know what she started doing? She began to take on the personality of a D personality and she got scary. That's okay. Um, I don't bruise easily. So that's why you haven't seen it. But, But the whole point is that you can get at war with your spouse. And you get in this mindset that I have to win. But let me give you two very, very important realities. Number one, you're fighting the wrong enemy. Your spouse is not the enemy. Okay? Wrong enemy. But number two, a win that wounds isn't a win. It's not. Listen, you aren't at war with your spouse. Okay? Okay? If you're not married you're not at war with the people around you remember we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness we have to be very careful that we begin to fight the right person and not the wrong person now satan wants you at war with your spouse that's what he wants i mean look at job 2 and 9. job's wife says why don't you just curse god and that you're holding fast to your integrity curse God and die. Don't you know that your spouse can say stuff to you that gets you to the point of like, you know what? War. Like you can get like that. But Satan will do anything he can to turn you and your spouse against each other. Now, why is that? Because Satan's battles for you are you and your spouse face to face. But God's battles for you are you and your spouse back to back, fighting against the world. So if you are right now fighting against your spouse, even this morning, if you woke up and I mean, you just rolled over and just, you know, listen to me. Stop fighting your spouse. It's the wrong person. Look again at John 16, 33. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace in the world. You will have tribulation, but take heart. I've overcome the world. So there, there are three quick things that stand out here. First is that tribulation will come. You're going to have situations with your spouse, with other relationships that aren't your spouse, at your job, with Jesus even, where you feel rubbed and constricted and you feel like there's no way out. It comes from the world, though. It comes from those principalities, not your spouse, not your co-worker. that, not co-worker, preacher. I get you. But it's not them. It's the, the enemy that is fighting at war with you. It's the darkness that's trying to destroy your marriage and your relationships and your sanity. It's going to come most often in the form of disagreements, though, between you and your spouse. Listen, you're going to have disagreements. Expect it. If you thought you were going to get married and everything's just going to be perfect and peachy, really? Do you think Satan wants us to go build this building and see people's lives transformed in this entire region for the rest of eternity? No, he does not want that. So he will fight us tooth and nail. What makes you think that he won't fight your marriage as well? What makes you think that if you're single and you go to work and you're having disputes and disagreements with your coworkers that Satan doesn't love that because it's ruining your witness with them? Of course he doesn't want that to happen. But second, Jesus, with him, you can overcome those disagreements. He's overcome the darkness and the world, and with him you can too. And listen to me right now. If Jesus Christ is not Lord of your life, then all of this doesn't apply what does that mean? I mean, if you don't trust Jesus Christ and his sacrifice as the only way you get to heaven, none of this applies. He has to be Lord of your life. He can't be Lord of your Sundays between 11 and 1230. He's got to be Lord of every single moment, all or nothing with Jesus. So if you haven't confessed him as Lord, I would highly recommend you do that. I'm not saying that you might have a wreck on the way home, but you might have a wreck on the way home. You need to get your life with Jesus together. But third... If you and your spouse are in Jesus, guess what's there too? The Bible says peace. Peace is there. What would you do for some peace between you and your spouse right now? How much would you be willing to pay for it? Have you ever uh, heard about the soccer match on Christmas during World War I? Anybody ever heard about that? Number one, I don't know why in the world somebody brought a soccer ball to a trench in World War I. Um, but, but on Christmas Day one year... Um, they just put down their guns. They put down their swords. They met in the middle. They shared a meal and they played football. They played soccer. I wonder what peace would come into the midst of your tribulation if you were to put down your weapons, meet in the middle, and allow Jesus to intervene. I want to talk to you today about disarmament. Um. You may have heard this word before. A lot of times we hear it in terms of nuclear disarmament. You know, the peace sign, which, by the way, in the 80s, they taught us that it was a broken upside-down cross and that it meant the devil. It actually is the two flag symbols for um, nuclear disarmament. So everybody calm down with the peace symbol. It's just a a sign. Um, But the whole point is that disarmament is the act of laying down your weapons and pursuing peace. So no one is saying in this process... That it means no one is wrong and nothing needs to change about our attitudes and behaviors and all that kind of stuff i'm not saying that okay you might need to change and listen to me you need to ask the question to yourself first do i need to change first remember jesus says don't worry about the speck in somebody else's eye when you have a log in your own eye so you might want to check the mirror first before you start blaming your spouse it might be you that needs to change more than your spouse not pointing fingers just being truthful self-responsibility take responsibility You might need to talk to a couple here at freedom something that my parents have done for years is they have they invite people over for a dinner and they just sit around the dinner and they talk and i've seen so many marriages healed through that it's amazing so maybe you just need to go have a conversation with somebody maybe you need therapy (laughs) like seriously you might need to go see a therapist well therapy means I'm, i'm a failure no it means you're willing to succeed like go see a therapist it's okay but listen you definitely need to disarm Matthew 12:25 says this every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. Do you really think that your house is going to succeed when you're constantly fighting each other? Remember Genesis 2:24, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. That's why I said before, whenever you are warring against your spouse, you're warring against yourself. When you're wounding your spouse, you're wounding yourself. So when you fire upon your spouse, you're literally firing upon yourself. But God has a better plan for you than war. He has a better plan for your house than for it to be a war zone. Isaiah 2 Verses two through five say this, it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways that and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples, And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up the sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Listen, guys, this passage is the answer to how to have a healthy home life. It really is. And I could do an entire sermon, maybe a whole series just on this passage. But quickly, let me just share with you. First, the house of the Lord is regarded above all, even their own house. Now, does that mean that you have to neglect your home for the sake of Freedom Church and its building? That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying the actual church building. What I am saying is the act of revering and honoring and embracing God's design for your family with Jesus as the head of the man, the man as the head of the wife, and the wife as the head of the home, actually following God's design for the family unit. Second, not only should we learn God's truths, but we should actually walk in them. Like, that's a crazy idea, isn't it? I mean, what would happen in your family right now if you actually did everything God told you to do? What would happen if you did it without fail? The moment he said it, you said, yes, sir, and you went and did it. How would your family change? Where does this law and his word flow from? The house of God, the same one that you've established in your own home. That, that's what we're talking about because this gets us to verse 5. When we're literally walking in the light of the Lord. What am I talking about establishing God's house in your home? I'm saying don't let Sunday morning be the only time your family engages with the Lord. Pray over dinner. Speak life. Get your kids to memorize Bible verses. When you tuck your kids in at night, hug them and pray for them. Speak life over your spouse. Let God be the focal point of your home. I mean, my goodness, there are a lot of houses right now that when kids come home from school, they're expecting to walk into a battle zone, not into a church house. We've got to change, guys. And third, look at what happens whenever trials and tribulations do show up and when the arguments do happen in your home. God judges between you two. You turn your swords into plowshares, into things that cultivate your relationship. You turn the things that used to hurt each other, spears, into the things that actually allow you to reap a harvest. Look at this last one. You, you don't even learn the art of war anymore. Can you imagine having relationships, whether it's with your spouse or with other people, where you're not stressed out and concerned about how you have to remember every little thing they do because you know you're going to be in a fight with them and you're going to have ammo for when you have that fight. What if you could actually just love people and serve people and honor people? That's what God wants to get us to. I mean, all these things that I just talked about, I I want all of those things. What's amazing is the way I get all those things is simple. Obey the Lord. Just obey. Obey what God said to do. And I get all those things. So what's the message today? It's this. Obey God. Learn his truths. Walk in them. Make the Lord the center focus of your home. Structure your home in the way God designed it, not in the way that's convenient for you. Which, by the way is where a lot of people live right now we live in convenience not in obedience and lastly disarm so if you need help with one through five got you fam we got ways to help i can connect you with somebody hey fill out a connect card go online and fill out a card talk to a prayer team member here at the end talk to me after service we got ways to help you with one through five But let's spend the rest of our time today talking about how to disarm. The weapons of our relational warfare typically revolve around three things. Words, our pasts, and our intentions. So in the time we have left, let me share these with you. First is words. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Boy, isn't that a lie. If that's true, then why are you still hung up on what that person said to you that sabotaged every relationship that meant something to you? truth is, words hurt more than sticks and stones. Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Now, I'm sure if you've been in church for any amount of time, you figured I was going to reference this first. It's a super easy one to reference, but there's good cause. There is power in what you say. Now, we're not talking about name it and claim it. Oh, glory! I want not Cadillac, Jesus. That's not what we're talking about here. But I had a pastor one time tell me, he says, I want you to imagine it like this. Imagine that every time you spoke, God was standing behind you going, "Mm -hmm," and agreeing. Let me ask you this. The words that you spoke over your wife, or your husband, or your children, the words you spoke over yourself, if God gave them power, how'd you be doing? If you call your spouse a jerk all the time, Second part is this. You're going to reap what you sow. You're going to reap what you sow. So if you call your spouse a jerk all the time, don't be surprised when they act like one. Okay? If you call, if you call your husband a, a poor provider, a loser, worthless, I mean, husbands, if you call your wives the same things, Or other words, don't be surprised when they act like it. And and why is this so important? Because the third part, you're not only going to reap it, the Bible says you're going to eat it. So let me just put it to you like this. If you don't like what you're eating, maybe you need to change what you're speaking. Maybe you need to change it up. Since I used this verse, let's um, look at the verse in front of it and the verse after it. Now, Proverbs is not necessarily one of those books of the Bible where you can really do this effectively, but it just so happens that these kind of line up. Here's what uh, verse 20 says. From the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. So, fellas, if you're rude and belittling and harsh to your wife and you like it, then what does that say about you? Same for you ladies. If you're satisfied by belittling your spouse, listen to me, that is evil inside of you. It needs to be dealt with. But the same goes for good things. It goes for good things too. Do you want to taste something better than what you're tasting right now? Then shower your spouse in positive, encouraging, life-giving words. You'll find that they're exponentially more satisfying. So... I mean, my, my, my goodness, imagine, imagine if you guys, you're working, you had a hard day at work, it's been a really bad day, you come home, you're just mm, frustrated when you get home. What would happen if you walked right into your house, put your stuff down, walked right up to your wife, and hugged her and said, I have been waiting all day for this moment. You make, you make it worth coming home. I love coming home to you. You're awesome. I don't care that the dishes are still in the sink. I love you, baby. And she might say, I don't care that you smell like a foot. I'm glad you're home. Okay, so the verse after Proverbs 18, 21, the Bible says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it weed its fruits. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So, fellas, not only did you find a good thing when you found your wife, even if you found her when y'all weren't living for Jesus, you know what I'm talking about? But God did you a favor with her. So it's interesting how these verses are back to back. And let's be really honest, guys. Our spouses are the easiest targets for death speaking. You have a bad day at work, they're the easiest target. Because they're there, and like, you got a marriage certificate, so they're probably not going to run off anytime soon, you know what I'm saying? Like, but listen, why would you want to demean something that God blessed you with? Okay, words are destructive. Words are destructive. Um, I remember my parents sitting me down when I was little, and um, I'm, I was trying to remember all the details of this, but I think it had to do with one of my friends was going through a divorce or something like that, and my parents sat me down and had a very serious conversation with me, and they said, we promise you that we will not only not get divorced, we won't even consider the word divorce in this household. Now, I realize I'm talking about divorce right now, but I need you to hear me. If you've had to walk through that, I'm not throwing any shade at you. Life happens sometimes, and sometimes you just can't deal with what other people do. I get it. I hear you. There are even reasons in the Bible where God is okay with it. He would rather restoration, but God doesn't want you uh, being cheated on and abused and abandoned, and so there are some stipulations there, and we can talk about that later, but... But God would rather restoration. But he also doesn't want you in a situation where you're going to be damaged. So what, what happens in that situation? I'm not throwing shade at you. I'm just saying this. God has a grace for you in the middle of that situation. You have a church family here that can help, that can speak life into you, and can build you up. I don't want you to feel shame with that. But my parents, whenever they said these words to me, created a level of a foundation in my life that helped me massively. It gave me confidence to know that no matter how much fighting I saw my parents do, they weren't going to break up. And I gotta tell you, I know a lot of times people try to hide their fights that they have with their spouse. Like I've heard about the parents that only argue in a separate room. And I hear you and I understand the point of that, but I'm gonna tell you this much. I love the fact that I saw my parents' defeats, that I saw their financial struggles, that I saw them butt heads at times. I'm glad because they also let me see when they were winning and how they dealt with the financial struggle and how they reconciled even after there was a fight. So it taught me that yes, you're gonna have some problems, but praise God, there is a solution. I want a divorce. You're a loser. I hate you. You're always this or you're never that. I wish I never met you. I wish I never married you. You're just like your mother. You're just like your father. I never want to see you again. You can't do anything right and you never did. You're nothing but a failure. You know what? I'd rather, I'd rather you throw a stone or hit me with a stick than to say those words. Let me ask you this. Would you be willing to say this to one of your children? Then why would you say it to one of God's children? Disarm when it comes to your words. Why? Because words are destructive. There's an interaction between King David and his wife Michael, who, um, <laughs> he was the ark was coming back to Jerusalem, and uh, David was dancing, y'all. My boy was. He was working it out. He was just praising the Lord. The Bible says that he danced so hard that his clothes came off. Now, I hope we had a little loincloth or something, you know, keep it PG in the church house. But the Bible says he was just working it out, you know. And the Bible says Michael looks down from the window and sees him dancing before the Lord. Here's what she says. How distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. Wow. I mean, if you, if you like take the the biblical like narrative side of it, like the poetic side out of it and just get to regular language. It's more like um, you look like an idiot today, you loser. She says you shamelessly expose yourself. You disgusting, embarrassing pervert. Like what is wrong with you? Can you imagine saying that to your spouse? Like, I mean, come on. You had a great worship set this morning, really feeling the Lord. You look like an idiot raising your hands like a doofus. What, were we on a carnival ride? david clapped back a little bit too though he's like um god chose me and not your family so mm. but he also said for the lord i'll be even more indignified than this how how dare you, like, what, are you what is wrong with what are you thinking now the last verse is very interesting verse 23 of second samuel 6 it says so michael the daughter of saul remained childless through her entire life first note from the story is don't have multiple spouses So go ahead and jot that down. But notice the last verse. Michael was barren. Now listen, I'm not saying, ladies, that you are going to be stricken with barrenness if you make fun of your husband dancing at church. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying this. David and Michael were married. And if she was barren, he was barren so what am i telling you words aren't just destructive they can keep you and your spouse from being fruitful like god intended i'm not talking about children i'm talking about fruit words can be destructive but did you know that just as destructive words can be constructive words can be just as constructive as they can be destructive look at ephesians 4:29. i don't have this on the screen this is a couple extra ones let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it might give grace to those who hear so listen imagine your spouse comes home they've had a horrible day and they just start railing because a shoe is left out some random silly thing it's probably not even about you but rather than you engaging in the fight and saying you know what Mount up troops lying along the border and you start fighting back and shooting those words back out. What if you begin to speak life over them and you begin to encourage them and you begin to comfort them and all of a sudden they begin to receive grace from God Almighty because you are willing to give grace and mercy rather than speak death with your words. Psalm 19.14 says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. Be acceptable in your sight, my Lord, my rock, my redeemer. Look, I don't believe for a moment that you have no control over what you say. I can give you proof. If you're at your house and you smash your finger, you're probably saying a four-letter word. But if you do it up here, you're probably going to say fiddlesticks or some stupid word like that that you never say. Oh, fiddlesticks, you know? You can control what you say. You can bless just as easily as you curse. In fact... I would recommend to you, as you are riding home from your job, and you know you're about to encounter your family, maybe instead of thinking about all the mess that happened today, maybe it's a great opportunity for you to discover some ways that you can encourage and speak life over your wife. Maybe you can do that. And so when you get home, rather than saying words that hurt, you can say words that heal and build and encourage. And maybe God will be pleased with what you're thinking about your spouse. So what if you made it a point that whatever you thought and whatever you said about them it was going to be uplifting. It was going to be encouraging. It was going to be helpful. It was going to be beneficial. It was even more going to be pleasing to God. You might find that your spouse gets better when your words get better. Yep. Yep. So do you want to see a change in your relationship with your spouse? Maybe you need to make a change in what you're saying. If you will be willing to disarm your death speak over your spouse, you might just find them come to life. So the first one, put down the words. They're just making it more difficult. They're just hurting. The second one is this pass, and this was pretty quick. You should only throw someone's pass in their face if you want yours thrown in your face. All right, God bless you all. Have a great week. We'll see you all next week. No, let me impact this a little bit more. God responds to thinking like this Peter says in in Matthew chapter 18, Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? And Jesus says, Nah, because like 70 times seven. So y'all math people can figure that out for me, all right? Praise God. Um, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought who owed him millions of dollars. The guy couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife and children and everything he owned to pay the debt. Boy, people be paying some bills if we started selling people back in that mess. When they like, i got to get this light bill, City of Liberty. It's $500. dollars i got to pay it. But, but the man fell down before his master, and he begged him. He said, please be patient with me. I'll pay it all. And his master was filled with pity for him. And look at this. He not only released him, but he forgave the debt. Come on, praise God for that, right? But look what happened. When the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged him for a little more time. Be patient with me. I'll pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put into prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. The king called in the man and he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. That's what my Heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Now listen, I know this might sound a little bit banjo-y, music-esque, but your, your spouse is your brother and sister in Christ too. Okay? And you cannot forgive someone their past and still use it as a weapon against them. That's right. The word forgive in Greek, it's this mindset that means to let it go, okay, to release it and And launching it in a fight at your spouse is not exactly what Jesus had in mind when he said, "Let it go, okay look at look at first corinthians thirteen four Love is patient, love is kind. love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude, it doesn't demand its own way. Oh no, look at this, it's not irritable. it keeps no record of being wronged, so if you're keeping a record of wrongs that your spouse has done against you, uh oh, you're not only refusing to forgive." Now your love for them is in check too. The only time you get to use your past as a weapon with your spouse, the past as a weapon with your spouse, is when Jesus uses it as a weapon with you. So you have to ask yourself, does Jesus use our past against us? Micah, chapter 7, verse 9. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Let me just give you some off-topic encouragement. You've been coming to God because you still have guilt over that sin that you did so long ago that God's forgiven you for. Every time you bring it up, he's like, what are you talking about? I've forgotten that. And the only reason you feel guilt right now is because the devil knows that he can hang it over your head. So just like Jesus forgets your sin... You forget theirs. No, does that mean oh they've been doing the same thing? Oh, they, they, they keep doing this. Keep doing this. No, get help, man. Like Get help. Don't just let bad things keep being bad things. But a part of the reason why you have a church family is so the church family can help you get better in your relationship with Jesus. Amen? And the last one is this, intentions. We talked about words. We talked about pasts. Let's talk about intentions. Intentions are born out of beliefs. So, what then do you believe about your spouse? Are they the helpmate God made for you? Are they a net positive in your life? Do you experience the joys of marital relationship with them? And I don't just mean that, but like, do you have fun with your spouse? Like, do you have fun? Do they satisfy your heart? Do you long to be with them? (laughs) Y'all, lovey dovey people. Miss you. No, you hang up. <laughs> it's Valentine's Day, right? Or are they the old ball and chain? How long have y'all been married? 15 long years, Jesus. Are they what you dislike the most about your life? Are they just the things society says that you're supposed to have? Are they just a maid or a cook or a moneymaker or a person to use? Are they someone to manipulate into getting your way? Do you use your little attitude and your little anger issue because anger gets you instant control to manipulate them to get what you want? Are they a bother or a blessing? Are they a disappointment or a divine gift from God? Listen, how you answer these questions reveals what you believe about your spouse and whatever you believe you're always going to act upon. And guys, this works outside of your marriage too. What do you believe about your boss? What do you believe about your family of origin? What do, you believe about, what do you believe about your dad? Did your dad care about you and love you and want to help you succeed? Now, what if the answer to that is no? Well, they're family. You you can't choose your family. Uh, yeah, you can. And sometimes the best thing you can do is cut off toxic people, no matter what their relationship to you is. All right, y'all want to talk about that. That's what, we'll do that a different time. An intention is an idea that you plan or intend to carry out. If you mean something, it's an intention. It's your goal, your purpose, your aim. That's your intention. If something you mean to do, whether you pull it off or not, that's your intention. So think of the last argument you had with your spouse. What was your intention? Were you trying to be right? Or were you trying to be reconciled? Were you more concerned about getting your way? Or growing in your relationship together? Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts between the soul and the spirit. Between the joint and the marrow. Listen to this. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Listen, D groups that we have here at our church, they're not just about you being a better person. It's about you being a better spouse too. You know what? Because you need the word. Because you need your intentions being exposed. You know what? You need people. Because you need people to look in and say, oh, wait a minute, you're not doing the right thing. We had a guy came to a men's group a couple weeks ago, and he walked in and had a bad fight with his spouse, and he was just sitting there, and he was telling us a story, and we're all going like, dude like this is what you're doing wrong like it's super obvious to us wasn't obvious at all to him thank God he's got people in his life because he went home with this newfound knowledge that we were able to see like that that he couldn't see because he was deep in the weeds and they reconciled and created some boundaries and all of a sudden now they're doing better than they were before you need this. So before you open your mouth to hurl another hurtful word or to bring somebody else's past up, you might want to take a, check, a second and check your intention because your intention might be as jacked up as the words you're about to say are. So what should your intention be? Husbands, your intention is not a weapon. Your intention should be to honor and love your wife, giving all for her, doing everything you can to help her. Her best is your intention. Wives, your intention is not a weapon. Your intention should be to honor and love your husband, to have a gentle spirit which is precious in God's sight, to be the helpmate that God created you to be. His best is your intention. What am I saying to you? You can't live out a biblical marital relationship if your intentions are to harm and not to help. It's just that simple. So, what's my encouragement for you today? What's my encouragement? It's simple. Put down the weapons and stop fighting each other. Let me ask you, all these years of you using words in the past and you these jacked up intentions to fight with your spouse, how's that working out for you? It's probably created a, a war-torn area of your life it's like walking around and expecting at any minute you're going to step on a mine because it's going to blow to shreds how about not living like that would you want that then put down the weapons you fight the wrong person anyway so you aren't perfect (laughs) neither of you are that's okay though you get help you you aren't always going to respond the right way I'm a reactionary person. Sorry, babe. (laughs) Wife's sitting in the front row. She's like, "Mm, yeah, you are. I'm not always going to respond the right way. You know, that's okay. I I need to be with somebody that's forgiving and I need to be forgiving too. I need to check myself before I wreck myself. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Because I said she's a tooth chipper. You aren't always going to have this zero trouble, stress-free life. You're going to have arguments with your spouse. You're going to have arguments with that moron coworker, that I mean that lovely coworker that you you work next to. But you get you get to be a part of whether or not God is honored in the midst of that or Satan is helped in the midst of that. What's it going to be, man? You know I said in the first service especially men. Men, it's the, the impetus is on you to change your family life into what God created it to be. It's on you, guys. I'm not going to I'm not going to Dodge that. I'm going to tell you straight up. Fellas, you are to be the thermostat in your family. You are to be the one that change comes through. Don't you dare make your spouse be the spiritual leader of your house. That is not their role. And I'm not talking like some crazy old backwards religious, you submit woman. No, I'm talking about stepping into the role that God created you to walk in. Don't make your wife make the decisions. Are we going to go to church today, honey? No, you wake up. You get dressed. You get the kids dressed. You pray. You lead worship in your home. You speak life. You be the first to speak life. Even if everybody around you is speaking death, you be the first to speak life i men's director Brandon Browning works in a construction company and they use a lot of words that are very colorful if you know what I'm talking about and he made up his mind I'm not going to be a part of the negativity in this cult in this culture I'm going to speak life I'm going to say the right things I'm going to do the right things and people come to him constantly for encouragement because they know he's a source of life now you can do that too fellows in your own home ladies you can be a part of that as well no matter where you go you can speak life into people. So how do we end today? We end with repentance. Because some of us need to repent. So we're going to pray two prayers today. One's to God, and one's going to be to your spouse. Now, I realize your spouse might not be here. And your spouse might not exist. I hear you. What I'm saying is, pray both of them to God, then. Maybe talk to your spouse later about this. You can always follow along the U version notes. But the first thing we're going to do is this. I'm going to have these on the screen. And listen, I realize sometimes when you read a prayer off a screen, it can seem like it's not legit or whatever. But... It's just words. What makes it real is whether or not you mean it. And if you mean it, God means it. So we're going to read this first one. And this is just our commitment to the Lord. Let's read it together. It says, God, forgive me for not treating my spouse like I should. Forgive me for going to war with them and not seeking peace. Holy Spirit, I'm asking for wisdom to know how to love and honor my spouse. Courage to choose to do what is right and the will to follow through. Let's just take a minute and pray. Father, thank you so much, God, that you are full of compassion and grace and mercy. I thank you, God, that you speak life over us, that you don't hold our past over our heads. And God, that your intention for us, even while we were sinners and far from you, was that we would be sons and daughters close to your heart. So Father, I ask right now in the name of Jesus, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would give your people the the ability to not only recognize Uh, What you want to see happen in their families, but God the courage to walk it out the ability to recognize and embrace the truth and the courage to see it through We thank you for that jesus now to your spouse if you have your spouse with you today Just grab their hand and I want you to say this to them And I just want you to repeat after me It'll be on the screen, but just repeat it after me. Hey, maybe you need to say it to your spouse if they're not here Just say it out loud Maybe you're here and you're praying for a spouse. Hey, go ahead and say this to him. all right? Like, otherwise, direct it to the Lord. Forgive me for the words I've said, the past mistakes I've left unforgiven, and the wrong intentions I've had towards you. I'm laying down my weapons. I refuse to fight you anymore. Back to back with Jesus, we'll fight the enemy. We will have a strong godly marriage marriage. from this moment forward forward. i love you you. i'm committed to you i still do do. father thank you for this thank you for this opportunity right now and god i'm asking by the power of your spirit that you would do in this moment what we thought that words and conversations were going to have to fix God that right now miraculously that any any division that is right now within these marriages Father that by a miracle in this exact moment that you would heal that rift. That you would reconcile these marriages right now in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for that Father. God that people would choose truth and to do what's right and they would honor you and they would be willing to walk out what you want for their families. Not what's convenient for them but what's what's right and holy by you, Lord. God, I'm asking that you would turn the hearts of husbands to their wives and wives to their husbands, that families would become strong, that foundations would be built that would be legacy-long foundations in the mighty name of Jesus. God, I also pray for those here who are single. Father, I thank you that singleness is not a curse. God, that singleness can bring with it blessing. And I'm asking in the mighty name of Jesus that as they direct their hearts towards you, Father, that you would meet every single need in their lives. God, we thank you for it. We praise you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. At Freedom, we want to help you have authentic relationships with God and his people, to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit, and to find lasting freedom. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this message, or if you want to make a decision for Jesus, please reach out at freedomdl.com connect. For more info on freedom, including service times and location, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening.